Welcome to episode six of Metascam. We are a podcast dissecting scams one fraudster at a time. And now, from the excellence in podcast studios, it's time for another episode of Metascam. We break down scammers' approaches, tricks, misdirections, and other tools they use and present you with our direct analysis. This is Peter. And this is Andy. Coming up here in episode number six of Metascam, we're going to talk about some crowdfunding scams, the free cruise scam. I'm going to ask Peter some questions around what happens if, and then we have an update on our scam bounty challenge. The information presented in this show is based on personal opinion and should be taken as such. Consult your personal attorney before making any financial decision. And hey, if you want to get in touch with us, we've made that pretty easy to do. You can uh, send us an email at hello at metascam.com, or you can find us over on Twitter at Metascam Show. All right, so before we get into these topics, we have a little bit of things to discuss about the, the world today. The world today here in sunny Orlando, sometimes sunny. We- <laughs> What I've noticed here, even coming in, I come in here to the studios a little bit late and I was getting all stressed out because the traffic is horrendous this morning. But there's been a escalated stress level here over the last few days. Some folks can can uh, sympathize with, uh, empathize with uh, some of the things that happen on a national level. Uh, here more locally, we had the aftermath of Hurricane Irma, which uh, took out Fortunately, not a lot of damage, but power outages, almost everybody has been affected by a powder outage, power outage for some time here. And there are still, I think, some 70,000 people in central Florida who don't have power. So can imagine being in a sweltering heat of 90 degrees, mid 90s and not having any any power, let alone no, no air conditioning, no electricity for fans no uh, refrigerator, uh, all your food is perished, and uh, you still go to work on a daily basis and just don't quite feel so well, a little bit stressed out. Yeah, we had some friends of ours who uh, were without power for a while. Everything, everything in their fridge died. You know, it just had to be thrown away. They got power back, replenished the refrigerator, about 300 bucks or so worth, and then the power went out again. Oh, my gosh. And so they lost a double ration of uh, refrigerated goods. So, but yeah, there was, there's that. And then we have the whole Equifax thing just adding on top of, of well, all the extra stress. Well, that's the thing. For those who didn't have power, we were kind of uh, ignorant of the developments of Equifax, even though it came out a little bit before the storm, but we didn't hear too much about it. But now with the power restored for a lot of the residents, people kind of keeping up on what's going on. It is a bit uh, discerning uh, what's been going on. doesn't surprise me though, but it impacts, so they say impacts perhaps one third of the U S population, maybe more and not just U S population, but, uh, some other, uh, countries that are impacted, uh, by this. What, uh, I had taken some precautions a while back and they're not new precautions. There are things that have been mentioned previously and such as freezing 
freezing our credit. My wife and I began to freeze. Well, we fro- made a decision actually to freeze our credit some time ago, but we actually implemented it maybe six months ago. And what kind of created a scare is I, we, you know, you can get online and maybe you can pull one free credit report from each of the three agencies and credit credit bureaus once a year. And I pull, I was going to, I pulled one and then I let a few months go by. And then I, a lot of the credit card companies today offer you free uh, uh, FICO scores. Mm-hmm. And so I said, okay, let me, let me take a look at my score. And then it seemed like all of a sudden it bumped up, a, uh, bumped down a couple of digits. And it, it said, because of a huge number of inquiries lately. And I thought, oh my gosh, Inc- what does that mean? Someone's been trying to use my credit. That was my first, uh, my first uh, gut, gut feeling. And I got freaked out and I got on, uh, I got on and I got another uh, re- report and I went through it and I realized there was nothing actually, nothing actually that, that triggered uh uh, what they would con- they would say as a increased level of inquiries, but then I decided no, I don't I don't need this kind of stress in my life. If it was a real a a real problem in the sense of someone really was trying to use my my credit, then I the to unravel that would take a long time. Very frustrating. I decided let me just freeze the credit and not have to worry about it. And it's so simple to do. It costs you maybe ten dollars. I think each of the Bureaus charge about ten dollars. It's going to depend upon which state you live in, but if uh, say you are you 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 and your spouse want to do it, it's going to be for each of you. It's going to be a ten dollar fee. And whenever you want to purchase something or open another credit line, find out what that merchant, whether it's a car dealer, what what mer- what credit bureau they're going to do their check on, and all you have to do is contact that bureau, lift your your the, the freeze hold on it for a couple of days so that the the merchant can check your credit and then uh, refreeze it again. It's just so easy. Very. It's um, what happens a lot of times with uh, security is that if it's security is never convenient, so it does take a little bit of time, a little bit of work, but I, it can save you a tremendous amount of grief. Went through this actually a few years ago with the OPM. Breach Office of Personnel Management. Oh, yeah. I remember this now. Yeah. Anybody who had a a clearance with the federal government, it's like some uh, 25, 30 million of us. Uh, many, many of those, actually, the system was breached. And whoever was behind it, there are different uh, theories of who was behind it, uh, had gained access to an incredible amount of information on individuals who would have undergone the clearance process for the U S government. So we had, we, that happened to myself and my wife. And all we got was a letter from the government saying, Oh, we're so sorry. We're, well, you know what we're going to do? We are going to monitor. You're going to give you a free credit monitoring service for one year. Yeah. Thank you very much. And <laughs> I, I think this. Equifax came out with that as well. Yeah, they did. Right? I got the same letter from the government. I was like, really? That's all you're going to do for me? Yeah, so I think it's we have to kind of take a lot of this stuff on our own and look at what, how can we better safeguard our credit information. We can't rely, unfortunately, we can't rely upon the government nor some of these uh, bureaus or the retailers that you're using our credit card information to protect it uh, uh, enough that we don't have to worry about breaches. Breaches are becoming more and more commonplace. And they will continue, whether it's OPM, whether it's the big credit bureau like Equifax. There's a lot of healthcare facilities, associations that are having the our healthcare information being breached too. And think about anytime you go to a doctor and fill out those forms once a year, what kind of information are you providing there? It's not just your name, address, telephone number. 
It's the information about where you work. It's your social security number. It's your credit card number. It's your health history. It's ev- it's it's practically everything there. And so that information in the hands of whoever, whether it's organized crime, uh, whoever whoever wants to get that information to use it however they want to use it, whether it's taking whether it's for usually for financial gain, but taking on your identity for fraudulent means, it's just another type of, it's another another level of scam, but it's it's fraud, uh, ultimately how that information would be used. So that's the world where we continue to live in. Yeah, unfortunately, that's where we are. You're absolutely right. But you know, Peter, that is one of the reasons that you and I do this show. Because of this world we live in, we want to educate as many people as we can about the scams that are out there. And speaking of scams that are out there, we're going to talk about some that happen sometimes by uh, by design and other times because it's just bad management. It ends up being that way. And that is crowdfunding. That's a fun topic. So there are a lot of crowdfunding sources and sites with a multitude of projects available on those for people to go in and put their money into and hope to get something in return from their money. And uh, one of the things I want to stress is this isn't investing. A lot of people look at crowdfunding as an investment. Usually it is the people running the projects that want that money invested in return. They'll give something for that investment and they'll call it investment and they'll treat it as investment, but it is, in my opinion, not an investment. It's more like gambling for me than it is an investment. So it's sort of, putting your money into something that you kind of think is kind of a cool thing. And, and if it takes off, fantastic. If it doesn't, well, uh, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed thinking about this and it, it is a gamble. It is a gamble and you just don't know what you're going to, what's going to be the return. And as you mentioned, it's uh, not all of them are, are scams, of course, that go bad. I mean, scams, I think in this industry, maybe are one or 2%, but there is the, what's more of more concern are those that, are created by individuals that might sound like a great concept, but maybe the concept hasn't been well thought out, it hasn't been tested, and even the individuals who are behind it, just because someone comes up with an idea doesn't know, doesn't mean that they are a true entrepreneur and have the skills, uh, skill sets, and the right connections uh, to be able to make this uh, idea become a real, uh, a real significant uh, product or service that's going to take off. Now, one thing to keep in mind is the sites, the crowdfunding sites that you go to, while they do have staff and they do make efforts to weed out the stuff that is just obvious scams, stuff slips through the cracks all the time. If they polish it up really well and throw a big marketing spin on it and it looks really neat, it'll get by very easily. Others happen to get by. In fact, there was a, we had the big Powerball last year, the one that got up to like the highest Powerball it's ever been, and everybody was just going crazy for it. And there was a, a person who made the headlines because this person invested their life savings in Powerball tickets and did not win. And then went on a crowdfunding site to try to recoup her losses from her bad investment in the Powerball. And uh, that one, it, w- it made the news because people started giving her a little bit of money. And then the, the site said, no, 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 we're not, we're not doing this. this. This is not a legitimate place for this. Also keep in mind that sometimes you'll go to these crowdfunding sites and the wrong type of project will be listed. 
it will be for a cause which should be on a funding site, not a project site or a crowdsourcing site. It should be on like a, a GoFundMe or somebody else who has more of a personal touch. And that's something where you could help somebody with their medical bills or whatever it might be. And again, you have to be very, very careful about those because th that's even easier to fake than a, than a project and than a product that you might have. Thing is, in this industry, this crowdfunding has been around for how long? Maybe five, 10 plus years, becoming more and more commonly known now because of social media. But the industry itself, pulling together money to back new ideas, new projects, startups has been around for a long time. You know, whether they be angel investors, private equity firms, venture capitalists, they've been around for a long time because there is a need for that. But I worked for several years and continue to work off and on for venture capital firms, angel investors who are looking at new opportunities to fund specific ventures. And I tell you, if you look at some of these firms, they will, they get literally thousands of proposals each year. And a lot of them are pretty decent proposals, but they carefully screen them. And I think on average, a venture capital firm will probably only accept one out of 100 of proposals that they get. And they do a considerable amount of due diligence and they will contract firms like ours to conduct that due diligence. And it's not only vetting the idea, but it's looking more importantly, looking who is behind that idea, who is actually the, the individual, the entrepreneur that's gonna be uh, behind this because many times it's not just buying a patent, let's say you're actually, you're, you're buying the concept as well as the individual who invented it and is going to launch this pro this product or service and looking at their character, their experience in the marketplace and seeing, making a judgment about whether or not this person has what is needed to make this successful and then giving that individual additional resources. Of course it's money, but other resources, maybe it's technology, whether maybe it's uh, managerial support, and to help make them success, successful in this. So there's a, there's a lot that goes into it. And, and these, these venture capital firms or private equity firms will uh, outsource some of that due diligence to firms to be able to see, because on the surface, someone might look to be really legitimate, but digging just a little bit deeper, many times we can find little things that are not necessarily known. Uh, could be criminal records, and I've seen quite a few of those. It, it, we, we could dig into what other companies maybe has this individual set up in the past and closed down, uh, or maybe, maybe if not, they've set up the company, whether they've been, they've had a role as a, an official in the company or somehow participate in the company. We can see the track record. Have they been successful or have they set up these companies that have been around for one, two years and all of a sudden they shut them down and they move on to, an, to another firm and, and you have to wonder what's going on here. So these are the basic, basic little things that, that, one can check into regarding who's behind this idea, uh, this concept, because, because these things may sound great, but we have to dig a little bit deeper. So going back to what Andy said, it's kind of like with the crowdfunding, doesn't mean that there's not some great ideas out there and some of them actually do launch and the individuals who are behind them and those that participate in those funds can come out very, very well. But I think, there's, a, there's probably a lot more examples of ones that don't go well than do go well. So it's kind of a word of caution about, you know, what, what are some of the things that we might want to be, look, be on the lookout for? Well, the first and foremost, you've already hit it, is who is behind the project. 
you want to understand that person, who they are, do some basic Googling on them to find out a little bit of their history. If it looks solid, I'm not going to say it's a green light to go ahead, but it's better than a, a very sordid or tarnished past. Now, some signs you can find out when you're going and you've invested in a particular project, some signs to look for once you've put your money into a particular project is if there aren't enough updates, if they're not mm. communicating with their community and saying, hey, this is what's going on. Here we are at this stage. We have a prototype ready. Here's what it looks like. Here's some pictures of it. Here's, a, here's where we're working. Here's our office space. Here's our, if, even if it's a garage, if there's not enough updates that are coming from uh, the project, that's one of the signs that I find that's, all right, this thing's not going anywhere. A just opposite of that is if there are too many updates. Because if they're sending out an update every day of, hey, this is going on, this is going on, this is going on, it's like, well, what are you guys actually doing? If you have the time to report this much activity, I just, there, there's a certain amount of work to be done that can be done during an eight-hour or 24-hour period, however long they're working. And sometimes the amount of reports you get are simply unrealistic unless they have a team of thousands working in five different countries. And they, you pretty much know they don't. So it's, it can be unrealistic. Yeah, just like we have false news, we can easily have false media, false hype that the individuals behind some of these things who are less than scrupulous uh, can fake and create hype. They can steal images of other projects and make it look like it's their own. A very popular one did that, and we'll come to that in a minute. Another thing that you want to look for is, and you already said it, is when they have a bunch of hype and there's no other social media proof about it. So they have testimonials from people, and testimonials are the easiest thing in the world to fake. They'll get testimonials from these people, and they don't clearly identify them, and you have no way to validate that testimonial, and you don't see that testimonial anywhere else. And if I did anywhere else, so they said, hey, this person tweeted this out, and they don't have their, their Twitter address, if you copy, just copy what they said they tweeted and paste it into Twitter and search for that tweet, and if it's not there, it never happened. So there's some very easy ways to check on that social media proof of that. Now, I mentioned one of the things that you talked about, the pictures. You can do reverse image searching on both Google Images and on a website called 10i.com. You can take that picture, put it into 10i or put it into Google and do what's called a reverse image search, which looks for that image anywhere else on the Internet. Billions of places it could be. And the sites are free and the searches take seconds. No, that's a very good point. I think one of the sites where it won't work unless it's changed, I think on Facebook, uh, I think face for some reason, the, the way that Facebook is set up that if you are to try to pull a picture from there and do that type of search, it, it, it won't work for whatever reason. Uh, on the opposite side of the coin, I, I, I highly uh, recommend what, what Andy's saying, but on the opposite side of the coin, if I want to be really, really scrupulous, I can also take an image and I can invert it with other software. And so that even if you were to do a search and that picture comes up, if it's been inverted, uh, it will, it will show up as a very unique image and not a copy of anything else. So there's uh, for people that want to take the time to really do well. I mean, design these scams. Well, they can, they can circumvent almost all these things. So let's walk through what would happen if this was a normal project that had the best intentions in mind and then started to fail and end up becoming labeled a scam. So usually what happens is the project is going to pay for their own prototype out of pocket. They'll go to their friends, they'll go to their families, they'll generate some capital that way, 
that gets their prototype done. And they say, hey, I've got a very cool prototype. Now what I need to make this happen on a larger scale is money. And so they go to one of these crowdfunding sites and they ask for money and they show pictures of this actual product. And they say, this is what we feel this project will do. This is what, here are some tests we've done. And everything's going good. They start to get some money in and they realize, okay, now we have enough to get our first line of our product actually manufactured and done. So they go off, they get it done, usually overseas, usually it always happens in China. They always have problems with the factories in China. You should, there's a lesson to be learned there somewhere. Then what happens is the, the product starts to return. It starts to be shipped back to the United States. They have their actual product in that their first round of people paid for. The problem is they've run out of money. And what is the easiest way to get more money is to actually sell that product that just came in off the boat. Even though it's already been paid for by other people, they'll make excuses as to delays or problems with shipping. We got the wrong product, whatever it is. Excuses happen. They sell their first round of our first batch of project product in order to gain, gain more capital. Now in order, it's almost like a Ponzi scheme. Now they need more people to come in and support the product and support the project rather to get the project, uh, to get the product designed and manufactured more. It just becomes a vicious cycle for them. And then it can all fall apart. Uh, I've been on uh, two of those that it happened with where everything was going great. And then I started getting a bunch of excuses and it's like, look, I, I know the product, the things out there I've seen it and other people are getting theirs. I ended up getting a refund on both the ones that I had uh, supported, but it was one of those where it was the same thing. Like you sold the one that I had pre-ordered to somebody else. So it really didn't set, probably wasn't started as intentionally as a scam, but it evolved into using, I mean, some, uh, a little bit of scamming to, for survival, basically to try to try to, uh, make this go on as long as they could maybe thinking that it's going to get better and we'll eventually be able to pay back uh, some of our initial investors when th when the market improves. But for the interim, we have to, to do this. And I mean, I've been in industries too, both here in the United States and overseas, that when there is a severe liquidity crisis in the economy, the things that you will see, because everybody's just kind of looking at how can I keep on surviving here and they will make up all different types of excuses rather than tell tell you per se, that this is what's happened. No, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm waiting for this and uh, it's going to be tomorrow. I'll be able to take care of this matter. Everything's going to be great. I had worked with a, uh, an individual here in Orlando who had a, it was developing a, a little, very cool little project that he had. And they put it up on, on one of the crowdfunding sites, asked for way more money than they needed to begin with. I felt. And when they got the money in, instead of properly investing that money back into their own business and actually getting that project developed at a better, uh, better rate, either hiring somebody to help them develop or a coder, help a uh, manufacturing process, whatever it might be, they decided it was time to brand. And they went out and got a whole new cool website and a whole new cool shirts and a whole new cool everything. And that to me was, was one of the red flags we talked about before is look at the individual. I had put no money into this project, but when I started seeing them show up with their embroidered shirts, by the way, with their logo on it, and that's not cheap. I looked into this person's history and found out that they are what I would call a serial entrepreneur 
who had probably 50 to 60 different little startups that they had been involved in. And about 50 to 60 of those startups had been shut down. So what that tells me is this person is an idea person, but can't execute on those ideas. So what they need is a team behind them. So what they should have done is taken that money and hired a project management team. And so it, it failed, needless to say. Uh, but uh, it was one of those things that it was a huge red flag. And that's what I tell people, when you're going to put your money into one of these projects and, and support them on a, on a crowdfunding site, make sure you understand who you're giving that money to and what that money is going to be used for. This happens for projects. Let's say, but also there's a concern where crowdfunding is used for donors, donations. And I think that's a, maybe even where one has to be even a little bit more concerned or weary. There are, once again, a lot of really real uh, individuals that are in need and we'll, we'll put out a request there for some assistance. Uh, but there's also a lot of, a lot of individuals that will use that, the trying to pay upon individuals emotions for you to feel sorry for them showing them pictures of, a, you know, maybe a child who looks ill or a wounded animal, wounded pet and, and uh, play upon your emotions to send money in. Once again, if you are going to send that money in, uh, just be without doing a little bit of, check, uh, checks, uh, just be ready to, to, to realize that you might just be giving it away for someone who is not really in need of that money, but just using that as a, as a ploy. I'm not uh, advocating that we, people should not be looking at opportunities to no, donate that way, but there's also a lot of other ways to donate to organizations that do the same sort of thing, uh, whether it's for individuals who are suffering from specific illnesses such as cancer. There are organizations, big organizations that receive donations on a daily basis and actually treat a lot of people with that particular uh, type of illness. And one other aspect of this that maybe people don't necessarily think about it, and it doesn't apply to everybody, but for those of you who are concerned about lowering your taxes that you pay and you itemize your taxes, if you, if you provide donations to certain charitable organizations, you're able to actually deduct those a portion of those donations. But most of the time when you're contributing to these crowdfunding donation sites, you're probably not going to be able to deduct those on, on your taxes. No, those are, I have yet to see a crowdfunding one is deductible. You've yet to see that. It was interesting. I talked to a, a friend of mine uh, last week and we were discussing the influx right now of um, fake hurricane scams that are coming around and, you know, People who might have the best interest, and they'll come in, it's cause marketing. They'll say, hey, I'm trying to raise money for these people. I want to send a big donation in. And uh, I asked him what he did for that. And he said, I donate my time. So I'll find an organization that needs local feet on the ground support doing whatever. If, if it's pushing a broom, if it's emptying trash, if it's flipping a burger, it doesn't matter. I donate my time. And I thought that was kind of a cool thing to do. Uh, in this time, day and age, when the cause scams happen all the time, and when something like a hurricane like we just had comes through, you'll expect to see those. Even worse now is the people who show up at your doorstep and go, hey, I noticed you have a tree down, or your fence fell over, or your pool looks nasty, or you have shingles missing off your roof. I can help you fix that. And they're not licensed, they're not insured, nothing's going on with that. So in this day and age, you have to be very, very, very careful on that level. But with the 
crowdfunding things, you have to just be aware of where your money is going. Expect to lose it is what I always tell people. It's a gambling. It's a scratch off. You're going into a convenience store and you're buying a $20 scratch off ticket that probably won't win you anything. Look at it that way. If you get a cool t-shirt out of the deal, fantastic. If you get a cool t-shirt and the project meets maturity and the, you, you get shipped what you're expecting, icing on the cake. But just be aware, one of the biggest things that I see in the crowdfunding scams is when you have people donating money into it and you look at that money and that money is being raised and they've reached their goals. I will usually, if I'm moderately interested in the project, they usually have like a dollar or a $2 or a very, very low uh, injury fee. I will pay that and I'll look at the other people who are paying money into this. And usually what you can find out is if you can see, you can see the names of the high donors. And sometimes those high donors are legitimate people. And other times you do a little bit of research and you find out it's a shill. That what they have done is they're, they have created fake accounts and they're taking their initial capital that they got from their friends and family and they're investing it into the crowdfunding site. So they're kind of moving that money around twice and making it look like they're having another round of funding. And they're just shills. Don't let the numbers of the people actually putting money into a project steer you into thinking that, that project's going to be a success. Nothing attracts a crowd like a crowd, but do your due diligence. That's the biggest thing that's going to help you in crowdfunding. Now, you know, Peter, here later on, we're going to be talking about our scam bounty program, which is going pretty well. Uh, you'll have the chance to submit a scam and then people can win a $20 Amazon gift card. And that Amazon gift card comes directly from the way you guys are actually supporting the show here by going to Amazon and shopping. If you go to our website, metascam.com forward slash Amazon, you'll end up on Amazon website. We get a percentage of every dollar spent. You're doing your normal shopping on Amazon. We get a very small percentage back between four and 6%. Not a lot of money. What we do is we pull that and then we're able to get you guys that cool $20 gift card straight to Amazon as a reward. So you're actually investing back into yourself by actually shopping on Amazon through our Metascam site. So remember, that's metascam.com forward slash Amazon. It's a way you can support us directly here at the show. Andy. Yes, sir. I have great news for you. Oh, I'd love great I have news. a deal for you. Yes. You have won a free cruise. Oh, I've been waiting. I need a cruise. When this, do I leave? This is a great opportunity. You are one of very few people that have been selected. And all you have to do is call this toll-free number and they will give you the information. But you must do this right away because if you don't act within the next 20 minutes, the deal will be passed on to another individual. Where am I going? When do I leave? I'm, my bags are packed. No, well, you'll get that information when you call this number. Okay. All you need to do is call and they'll tell you exactly what, what you need to do and when you will be leaving. And that, those arrangements will all be worked out. Awesome. What cruise lines is, is this with? Well, we actually, we work with several cruise oh, lines. Okay. So I get to pick which one I, I get to go on? Well, we'll provide you different options, but there's going to be a, a registration uh, process to, to, to select one of these cruise, cruises you want to go on to. How did I win this, by the way? Well, as I mentioned to you, your name was pulled out of a group of several individuals based on a, where you, you live and based on your, your lifestyle and the magazines that you subscribe to. And I don't subscribe to any magazines anymore. Well, this goes back for quite a, quite a few oh, years. Okay. Okay. I gotcha. But the thing is this, uh, once again, 
you need to act very, very quickly. And so there's a, there's a process and I'm going to need to uh, here just to begin, just to hold this opportunity for you. I'm going to need a credit card number. Ooh. It won't be charged anything. It's just to hold this opportunity. Well, I need to, uh, I need to clear it through my wife first. I mean, you talk to her, she makes all the financial decisions. So if you, is your wife there right now? Uh, no, she is out shopping. Uh, so, uh, she's probably back in about, I don't know, probably an hour or so. so no, I'm, I'm sorry. We're going to have to, uh, we're going to have to move on. If you, if you can't, uh, make a decision on this right now, I'm sorry. We have to be able to close this, uh, hold this for you within the next uh, 15 minutes or, or I have to move on to somebody else. I'm sorry. Well, Those could are I, just the terms of the. Could I call function. her real quick and then, uh, see, see, maybe I can call you right back. Well, I can hang on the line here, but I'll give you five minutes. I, well, I only have one phone. I don't, I don't know how to. Just, I'll have to hang up, though. Well, I'll tell you what. You could, if you were to give me your credit card number to hold this for now, we'll, we'll allow you to cancel this within the next uh, seven days. Um, you know, I, I just don't want to get in trouble. You know, I mean, are you married? Because my wife would get mad if I do something, and then she'll put me out on the couch. And I, she will be mad if you if you pass on this opportunity. Imagine this cruise, and and wives love to go on these cruises. There's there's been a, a whole lot of testimonials of people that have been very very happy to go on these these cruises, and uh, which basically are, are a free vacation for you and your wife. I think she would be very upset with you if you decided to hold off and. And want to talk to her later and find out that this opportunity is no longer available to you. But well, that's okay. We can, you know, we can move on. Uh, well, how, I can move on to someone else. How much would you uh, be putting on my credit card as a hold? Well, it's going to depend upon the different uh, add-ons that you want to have for the cruise. We provide a basic cruise, but there's a few different options that are available. And so that's why we want to have the credit card to hold hold this opportunity for you. Otherwise, we would be be just later on finding out all oh, these individuals are not not interested in it. We could have been uh, passing on and dealing with other individuals who would be selected under this program. So that's why we we, we do need a credit card to show the, the seriousness on your part that you're not going to just waste uh, waste waste uh, the cruise line's time. But I thought you said it was free. It is the basic basic cruise is free, but there's a few additional add-ons for that that are optional. Can I have your uh, your credit card number? Is it a Visa or a Mastercard? Uh, let me look here. I've I've got a I've got a Mastercard. Okay, I'm ready so, for when you are. All right. Well, it's um four two one seven nine three six eight two seven one four. Okay, think. Okay, and the expiration expiration date? Uh, nine twenty seven. And the security code on the back? Uh, one two three. One, two, three. Are you sure? That's on. That's what it says. One, two, three. One, two, three. And can I have your name as it is listed on that credit card, expelled on that credit card? Uh, yes. Okay. And what is the billing address for that credit card? Uh, 123 ABC Lane. Okay. And, and this is the best phone number? This is the phone number that's used uh, with this credit card? Uh, yeah. It's one you guys called me on. So. Okay. So yeah. that, okay. And uh, tell me, Andy, uh, when is the best time of uh, year that you and your spouse would probably like to take this cruise? Uh, it would be uh, summertime, which is, yeah, yeah, summertime. Okay. We have a few different options. Uh, as I mentioned to you, this is the basic program. We have uh, some ups, uh, up, up charges for additional packages on this cruise, like for if you want a balcony room, uh, for example, or the, the meal program or the beverage program. Um, we can, what I recommend for you right now, actually, if uh, 
we can go ahead and reserve for you the the a, a trip that we have to the Caribbean is Eastern Caribbean, and it's coming up in you said the the summer. Well, we get yeah. the, we get the summer right now. It's kind of winding down, but maybe early October or next or next summer. We can do we do next summer June July, uh, and we can reserve this for you. Oh, that's like a year away. Um, but okay, yeah, that's good. But it will lock it. It will lock in the value of the of oh, the cruise. Okay, yeah. so this is a cruise that normally would sell for fifteen hundred dollars per per individual for the basic basic cruise. And and once again, you're getting this totally free of charge for you and your spouse. Uh, what we would want to see though about up up uh, upping the the program for being able to reserve nicer rooms on the, on the balcony. So it, what I would recommend is a, a, and it's a very small charge. It's about $400 additional. $400. No, no, no. We're looking at, we're looking at seven day cruise here. So if you look, if you break that down per day, that is, it's, it's really nothing. It's very minor, but it was free. This call started with you telling me how to free cruise. It is a free cruise, but we're offering here some additional add-ons. You don't have to take these add-ons. No, no, I'm good. I'll take the free cruise. I don't, I don't need any add-ons. Okay. Well, what about meals and beverages? In that part of the, in that part of the cruise? Well, the beverages are, now are for, for the cruises. Very few cruises are going to offer you free beverages. Oh. Maybe, maybe uh, Kool-Aid and uh, water and milk and coffee. But if you want anything else, it's going to be uh, packages and it's a lot less expensive to buy these in advance than it is to wait to the day of, of, of sailing. Well, uh, again, I needed to, to talk to my wife. Uh, you said it was, you were holding it for me. So that's good enough. Um, you hold it for what you said, seven days. I can hold that for seven days, but these offers for these add-ons are only available now. Sorry. So we do it now. Or if, if, if you want to do it later, you're going to be paying a much higher price. Oh man. You know, you've put, I just, I just don't know. Um, well, what is the, can I upgrade the package? Like if I get the cheapest one now, can I upgrade it later? Well, you can upgrade, you can always upgrade it later with directly with the cruise line, but it's going to cost you, I mean, unfortunately it's going to cost you their, their uh, retail value and it's a lot more money than this promotional rate that we can offer you right now. So, so I, it's up to you, but I mean, you're going to be paying at the end of the day, it's probably not worthwhile for you to take this cruise if, if you're going to wait on, on, on those. I, I guess I should go ahead and do that then. Um, what, what, what packages do you have? Okay, so we have the, the the beverage package per individual. That is going to be $350. Per individual? Yes, but it's unlimited uh, beverages. It's seven days. All right. All right. So it's not so bad. Okay, so we put you and your wife for that. Okay, $350 for you, $350 for her. Then there's the the dining program. There's a there's basic cafeteria meals that you that's included with the package, but the we have a very, very inexpensive package where you can upgrade to be able to eat in one of the every on a daily basis two two meals in the upper scale uh, dining facilities on the cruise line, and and everybody almost everybody takes on takes that oppor- that opportunity takes that promotion because they and, and they have no regrets they're very very happy with it. So we, if you would like, we can also uh, we can also lock that in. For you well how much is no, that gonna well cost? normally normally that's that's like seven hundred dollars for 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 you and your wife be seven hundred dollars we can lock that in for you at a promotional rate of 375 total for both of you for both of us yes instead of uh, that's pretty good then there's also a we can offer a different vouchers for the shows there's a few shows that are offered on the cruise uh, there's a lot of shows that are that are included but there's some really high-end shows 
that are also offered, you know, think of of shows like Dave Copperfield or these musicians that come on that are really well-known celebrities that will come on the cruise line. And those shows, of course, are off, only offered to a few individuals because they can't have a two or 3,000 people on that cruise ship going into these shows. So it's pretty much first come, first serve as far as who's able to procure the, the tickets for these shows. And once again, you can wait until the day of the cruise to, that it goes out, but many of these shows are going to be already totally totally sold out. So we can offer them to you once again at a 50% uh, 50% savings, which is considerable. So it depends on how many of those shows you would like. Uh, most of these shows are going for at least $75 per show. And we can offer it to you for, for about $35. And if, and if you want to take more than one, uh, we'll probably get you three shows for if you, if, if you decide you want to do it today, three shows for $110. Uh, okay. I'll do, yeah, we'll do the three show package. Are those refundable in case I don't like the person who's on the show? Because that's like, well, does this year. mean that you would be going into the show and halfway through the performance? It's like, no, eat, it's like going into <laughs> McDonald's and ordering a Big Mac and eating ha- three quarters of the Big Mac and going back to the counter and saying, listen, I didn't quite like this burger, but here I want my money back. No, you can't do well, that. I, I'm just saying, like, okay, a magician would be all right, but ventriloquists freak me out. And if it's a ventriloquist, I could, I just wouldn't be able to go to the show. We can we can uh, refund those tickets, but you can always exchange them for something of equal value oh, on a cruise okay. ship. Yeah. So, you're not, so you're not out of money at, at, at all. You're just you're buying the opportunity uh, at a much reduced cost. Okay, um, I'm in. Uh, put me down for three of those. Okay, and we also have uh, there are some coupons that you can buy for merchandise on the ship. There's a lot of really cool things that one can procure, such as they have the art shows where they have auctions for the art. There's also um, a number of different boutique shops for beauty items, for jewelry that I know your wife would just love. And maybe you could even treat her uh, treat her to a nice surprise gift on that cruise. Does she have a birthday or anniversary coming up? Uh, not, well, yeah, one, we have one of those a year, but uh, not not for the summer. But that'd be, that would be a real surprise though. Could you imagine you're able to surprise her on that ship with a birthday or anniversary gift yeah. in advance and yeah. be able to buy that item for 50% under the retail value. Uh, how much is that going to cost me? Well, basically you're buying, you're buying dollars at a reduced value. Let's say for every hundred dollars in, in vouchers that you get, you'd be paying $50. All right. So uh, I'll take a hundred dollars in vouchers then. Uh, you might want to consider more uh-huh. because that, that once again, if you, if you decide uh, not to use it on this, this uh, cruise, you can always save them for, for, for a subsequent cruise or even exchange them with other individuals who might be interested in. Oh. But once again, you can't buy those in at the actual cruise line of the day of sailing. You, these are only available in advance. Uh, I'll, I'll take $250 worth of them. Okay, so let me add all this up right now. I think we're... So, okay, I'll charge your card for the beverages, for the food upgrade, for those vouchers, and for the the balcony cabin. And that'll be fine. That's it. So I have your, I have your, your approval then to make these, hold these on your, on your card for. Sure. Yeah, that's fine. Well, thank you very much, Andy. I really, really appreciated the opportunity uh, to speak with you. And just once again, uh, I wanted to verify the expiration. I didn't quite have to make sure I have this right. The expiration, expiration date on your card. Uh, 929. Okay. 
All right. Thank you very much and uh, enjoy your cruise. And is there anybody else that you know who might be interested in an opportunity like this? Yeah, my buddy Peter, he'd love a call from you guys. He would. would okay, do you have his phone number? And I can, uh, when I call him, I'll say that you referred him to me, and I'm sure he'd be very, very grateful. And actually, there is a, there is a program we have for referrals. For every referral you give to me, we'll give you some ad- additional bonus bucks that you can use on oh, this cruise. I like that. Yeah, his phone number is uh, 407-475-0154. Excellent. And do you have anybody else? Uh, no, nobody else. You has- sure? These bonus bucks, uh, I'd be happy to send you these bonus bucks. Yeah, I wouldn't want to cruise anybody else but Peter, so. Okay. Yeah. Well, it sounds very good. Thank you so much, Andy, for your time, and uh, and uh, we'll send you out this information uh, shortly, and enjoy your cruise. Congratulations. Thanks. You know, it must be comforting to know that this, if this whole securities fraud thing doesn't work out for you, you could actually go sell cruises to people. Well, there you is, do uh, that very well. <laughs> There is uh, always another opportunity in life, or maybe, you know, maybe do some crowdfunding. (laughs) So one of the things you have to look at in in that whole awesome role play that we just did, uh, I think I got fleeced for close to two grand out of that thing when it was all said and done. Uh, We were pretty close to two grand off off of a free cruise. Be an awesome trip, though. And uh, you, you probably didn't mention it because I didn't ask, but there's probably some kind of a sales pitch that have to go sit in for that. Oh, some kind of a timeshare thing. I or... hate those. <laughs> and I've been hit so many times. I always thought like a timeshare would be just your, you know, resort. And, uh, you know, you go, you go to a timeshare and they're going to offer you an opportunity to buy into, you know, the traditional timeshare program where you pay so much and you have the right to use a, an apartment or a suite you know, once a year for, for life. And you just got to pay after that, you got to pay your, your annual maintenance fee, mm-hmm. you know, and this fee and that fee. And I'm just, for me, I got so fed up. I went to a few of these presentations because, you know, we're all kind of hooked into, uh, you attend this and you got this free, you know, gift or this free meal or this free whatever. And so you can kind of hooked in it. What, you know, what can it cost me? I go in there and then it's very high pressure. It's so high pressure and they are your friend. They're so friendly until they see that you're not going to bite. Then they can turn very ugly and very mad and very mean. I've had that happen to me a few times. My best way out of that is I just say, I don't agree with the concept at all. And that usually gets me with any other excuses. Then they have a whole list of excuses that they've been been trained in, you know, and they come back with, you know, they were trying to get you to yes. You know, if you say no, why not? And, and okay, if I could do this, would you buy it? And they're just trying to get you to say yes. But if you say, I don't at all agree with the concept, then it's very hard for them to, to come back at you. And, and eventually they'll give up, but it is a painful process. And I decided I'd rather not get anything for free if it's going to take away my quality time, especially if I'm on a vacation. So, you know, don't call me with any any great opportunities here for, for timeshare or anything else because yeah, um, we, my wife and I do have a timeshare, but the one we have uh, is a points one, which is kind of cool. But we, what we found is that all we had to say is no, thank you when they call us. Cause every time you go to the resort, which is like, I think we have it once every other year. We, we have a, a number that we can go to whenever we want. We can stay on property for free, not in the room. We can just use the amenities on the property and uh, there are a lot of really cool in our area beach resorts that we can go to and use everything they have uh, as far as amenities go. So the pools, the showers, 
uh, the the beach furniture, the umbrellas. We, we don't have to take anything really to the beach with us because we use all the amenities at that at that location. But when we actually stay on the property, uh, when we use exchange our points for the weekend or the week stay, then they always say, oh, by the way, um, on Friday or whatever it is, there's this presentation we'd like you to attend. And we say, no, thank you. And it ends. Like, okay. Now, one we went to, because we thought, it, I don't know, something caught our, our attention or we didn't know we couldn't say no to it or whatever it was. And it was the highest sales pressure meeting I've ever been in to the point where there was, we were sitting with the person who led the presentation. And he gave us a whole spiel about, you know, I normally don't do this. This is not what I do, but I'm, I'm, I want to, you guys look like a fantastic couple. I want to bring you guys up and I want to make an example out of you guys to show you, to show these people what a successful vacation looks like. And you can see the value in what we're presenting here, right? And they insisted that both you and your spouse attend oh, this yeah, together, right? Always, always. Uh, and there's gifts and prizes and, the, <laughs> and everything else. Uh, my wife has the ability to say no really well to those. And she just says no. And just shrugs her shoulder and goes no. No, no reasons. Just no. And that takes down because what they're trained to do is get your reason and then get around that reason. My wife's not here. Bring your wife. Uh, it's, it's expensive. We have funding or we have payment plans and we can stretch this out and we can do this and we can do that. Well, I don't like where it's at. We can move it. Well, I don't want to go on. I don't want to stay at a location. We have cruises. I don't want to go on a cruise. We have river, whatever they have. They have answers to everything. Like you said, So if you don't give them those answers, they can't answer. You just say no. Now with these free cruises, these are the same people. They have basically what they've done. It's a company that's gone out and they've bought rooms at a wholesale rate from the cruise lines. And they understand that there's going to be a percentage of people who say yes to these quote unquote free cruises and end up on the ship. That is all they care about. They can, well, they care about that and two, one other thing. They want you on the ship and they want you in that sales presentation because they understand that a percentage of the people that go on the ship are going to go to the sales presentation and the people that go, a percentage of those people that go to the sales presentation are going to be in their program. They're going to get sold. And it's a numbers game for them. The more people that get on the ship, the more people go to the presentation, the more people who sign up. It's 100% how it works. And uh, you brought up a very good thing. It's the basic, basic cruise that you're going to get for the free. It's the one you're sitting in the belly of the boat uh, where you don't even have a, a, a port window to look out, that little circular portal window. You don't even have that to look out. There's no window in your room. It's like the Titanic, right? The lowest level? The lowest level. Right? You're down there with the, almost with the crew who's the one level below you. <laughs> but what I have found uh, from people I've talked to who, who have gone on these cruises is even before they're done, the person has upgraded them without their permission. They just start assuming uh, that the upgrade is going to happen and when they start asking for the credit card information, now they'll say, okay, now we're at a $400 range. And the question wasn't asked about why we're at $400 or what am I getting? And they, well, you know, it's fees and, and some other things that you have to pay for. And they go, okay. And they're thinking port fees or taxes or whatever it might be. And then you realize that they've gone and they've actually got a room upgrade that they may maybe not have needed. So a lot of times these salespeople, I mean, they're paid on a commission. So they're going to try to get their upgrades. And you got, like I said, you got about, what, 2,000 upgrades under me. Yeah, you're easy, man. I was very easy. <laughs> I didn't want my wife to be mad. <laughs> <laughs> she'll, she'll love you. 
but the, the the easiest way around these things is to, is to start asking questions, to get that person off script. Most of them are just reading a script or memorize a script and just going down their script. And if you can get them off script and you can get them fumbled around enough, it throws the rhythm off and they'll either misquote something or missay something. You can go on a cruise. You can go on a free cruise or a very, very low rate cruise one of the ones that they call taxes only cruises where all you have to do is pay the taxes on everything. You can go on these, but you have to navigate this whole system with them so that you don't get taken advantage of. Their goal is to get a high commission out of you and to get you on the ship to get a higher commission because if you being a person that they sold ends up on the ship in that meeting and then buys into the timeshare, now they're making even more money off of you. So they want that soft target to go on that cruise. So start asking questions. Where is your room exactly? And ask that, write it down. So if they say, well, you're in room, blah, blah, you know, 127 port side, write that room number down and ask them later on, where's my room again? And if that deviates at all from what they said, you know, they're, they're just lying. Ask them if there are any additional fees. And then ask them exactly what those fees are, because it will be very uh, bland with the response. Very generic. Oh, you know, there's, there's, some, uh, there's some taxes or there's some additional fees, some, some port stuff. And, you know, what am I actually paying for? Surcharges, taxes. What are you actually responsible for paying? We didn't even get into the, uh, the room charge. Last time I went on a cruise, once I finally got there, I found out I had to pay somebody $10 a day to take care of my room. And I didn't know about that until I got on the ship. I'm like, what? Okay, so now I'm paying an additional 70 bucks. Okay, this is nice. Understanding what you're paying for, what you're charged for, what you're responsible for before you actually give over. Because that was the other thing I did wrong. I gave you my credit card number before I knew exactly what I was paying. I started off very low, and before I was done, I, was, you know, I went from $400 to $2,000 for it was all said and done. You know, it's so funny lately, I've been getting a number of these in my daughter and my wife as well. Get these calls. You have won a free vacation to Orlando. And I'm like, oh, yeah. <laughs> we live here and they're still trying to sell it to us because you know what, whatever, it's a great resort and all of this. But I said, we live here. We don't need a vacation. What about a vacation to somewhere else? No, but with this, this, this opportunity for Orlando and, and it's just ridiculous. I've gotten those. I've talked to them. I'm like, you realize I live in Orlando. And the person said, well, then your, uh, your travel expenses will be very much reduced. I was like, can I get a voucher for those? You know, if you're, if you're going to pay me flight to get down here and, you know, cause you're paying my flight, my room, my board, everything else. Uh, can I get a voucher for that? You know, 600 bucks. Like, no, no, we can't do that. <laughs> what I have found when I get these free phone calls, and I, I don't deal with them very often. Most of the time is, and we'll talk about this in, a, in an upcoming episode about apps you can get to actually block these calls on your phones. But every so often I would accidentally answer the phone and get this free cruise uh, call. And sometimes if I felt like that and I had a little bit extra time, then I'm, I like to actually play that game to, just to understand where the scam is these days. And once I start firing off those questions, I get transferred to a supervisor because I am now, I'm not worth this person's time anymore. I'm not a soft target. I, they're not going to make their easy commission on me. Now I'm going to get transferred over to supervisor. Every time I get transferred to a supervisor, they are not a nice person. They are very, they're not quite rude, just to the point of being rude, but they have no more answers than the other person did. And they're going to try to direct me to a website. 
just to try to get me off the phone. And what I'd like to do is keep that person on the phone, the supervisor, and go, let me go to this website with you to see if I can find my answers. No, the answers are all there. And normally they end up disconnecting. And then they have nothing from me. So remember, just ask questions. It's in, you know, look online. And it, you gave me very good thing where I didn't have time to make a decision. Everything was being pulled away from me. And then they're going to do that. It's a tactic they use. If you have this sense of urgency or loss. And they're taking stuff away from you that actually I never had to begin with. But suddenly I felt like I was losing. I'm going to lose out on this. I'm going to lose out on that. Your wife's not going to be happy with you. Now I'm, a, I'm an idiot because I didn't, you know, I could have bought her a gift at 50% off. Oh, my goodness. And so all this stuff's being removed from me. And I'm being put in a situation that was artificially created because I answered the phone. And now I have, I'm losing everything. I'm losing this huge opportunity. And I don't have the time to stop and go, let me, let me go look at who you guys are. I asked you what cruise line you were. You represented many cruise lines. I forgot to ask you even who you were. I asked you where you got my information from. You were very vague. I didn't get into particulars about that because I'm still thinking about like, this cruise and I'm going to lose out. My wife's not home. I don't have time. And that's exactly how they do it. They get our minds racing. They, they present this beautiful picture to us this awesome idea and they plant it in our heads, how we're going to enjoy this awesome cruise, the best food, the best time, the best dancing, the best of everything. And then they start to pluck that away from us because we're too cheap to do it. In fact, you made me feel bad a couple of times about, well, your wife's not going to be happy with you. Listen, if you can't afford this, you're using those terms. I'm like, what, what do you mean? I can't afford it. What do you mean? My wife's going to be mad at me. I don't, I don't want to feel this way. And so because of that, I'm like, all right, here's my credit card. Let's charge this baby up. Let's go. And it's exactly 100% what they do. So just remember, you can get a good deal on a, on a cruise. Just ask a ton of questions. And if they can't provide you those answers, they are going to hang up and you've avoided everything. But if they can answer those questions to your satisfaction, and it does seem like a good deal, there's absolutely no reason to take advantage of it. Or not to take advantage of it, rather. Go ahead. Have a cruise. They're fun. But just remember that these, if you didn't ask for it and it comes ringing on your doorstep or your telephone, take it with a grain of salt and ask a ton of questions. We live in a world of finite resources. So for every winner, there is usually a loser. If a deal appears too good to be true, it probably really is too good to be true. You have hard, you worked hard for your money. We all have worked hard for him, our money. Do you want to give it away to a con artist, make them happy prior to making a major investment, you know, whether it be collectibles, like we spoke about earlier, a previous show, financial instruments, real estate franchises, or entrusting your money to any, to someone who promises you high returns, especially higher than market returns. You definitely need to conduct that due diligence. Don't take their word or their referrals, the referrals that they provide. Find your own references, your own referrals, but not ones that they provide as being gospel truth. Conduct independent verification. Strategic risk management conducts on a daily basis on behalf of our clients, deep dive invest, background investigations on individuals, as well as due diligence on their business operations. This helps our clients mitigate risks by making more informed decisions prior to undertaking significant financial transactions. 
we use a systematic approach that is customized and client specific and which achieves the customer's goal of detailed information uh, collection and the protection of that information. So if this service is of interest to you, please reach out to me, contact me at strategic risk management 407-475-0154. And remember folks, there's a lot of things that strategic risk management is doing that the average person like myself has no idea how to do. So if you're looking at anything as if it's a career move or financial investment or anything that they can help you with to do the due diligence to do those deep dives with techniques and tools that you and I don't have, reach out, give them a call today. That's 407-475-0154. So Peter, since we started the show, I have a lot of friends who listen and I get comments uh, either in email, on Twitter, in person. And one of the things that continually comes up is people try to put me into a situation. They say, well, well, what happens if? And there are a lot of those that they ask, well, what happens if this? What happens if that? And I said, yeah, I'm getting a lot of these. So I started cataloging them and I wanted to bounce them off of you. All right. So the first one we're going to cover today is what happens if my credit card actually gets skimmed? Well, the first issue is how are you, how do you know that your card's been skimmed? Is it because you are checking on a regular basis, your charges? A lot of people don't do that. You might be looking at your charges once a month when you're paying down your statement. Uh, and by that time it might be kind of late. Maybe a number of charges have been made there that have been made by someone else. So taking active control and vigilance of your, your credit credit card or your bank statement. I mean, cause this can also be done with debit cards, of course, to see what kind of transactions are going on on that account are important. Uh, fortunately, a lot of banks now have very good uh, programs, alert programs that will bring to their attention anything that seems to be out of your pattern. That can be actually kind of annoying sometimes because I get called all the time, especially I do a lot, I travel a lot. And I have not only my credit card in my name, it's also my spouse uses it and also uh, one of my children. So if we were in three different places at the same time, the bank goes crazy. And all of a sudden they put a freeze on the card and I got a call in and it's irritating. But I tell you, I'm very grateful that they do have that vigilance and to try to prevent these fraudulent charges. So once you are aware, that you have these fraudulent charges, especially if the bank is bringing it up to you, look very carefully. Just don't say, well, now I, I probably made that charge. Be very careful to verify. Yes. Is that a charge that I or someone else on that account made, or is it something else? Some of these might initially be very small charges because usually the small charges are the ones that can coast under the radar. It's not like they're going to steal your car and necessarily run up three or $4,000 worth of uh, camera equipment. I think it could happen, but many times these, these are small charges that will go on for a while because it won't trigger any of the alerts. And if you're not paying any attention, this could go on for, for some time. However, if you are aware that your card has been skimmed and is being used, one of the first things you, you want to, you need to contact the, the bank immediately to put a hold on that card and to uh, contest those charges and to try to figure out maybe where was that card skimmed, all right? And we hear about these stories about lots of times cards being skimmed at gas stations, 
And yeah, those are popular places, but it can happen anywhere. It can even happen if you're going into a restaurant. It could be even a very nice restaurant, uh, which you've, you've been to in the past. But it just takes one scrupulous individual who maybe started working there not so long ago that all of a sudden is starting to skim some of those cards. Once you, you gave that card to somebody, you don't know what they've done to it before they come back to the table. So there's a lot of opportunities for cards to actually be skimmed, and that's an increasing problem. Fortunately, we as consumers are protected uh, by the banks and, the, and being able to refute those charges and getting those, those, those charges refunded to us, fortunately, for now at least. But it's, it's still a cost. It costs all of us money. The entire public that uses uh, credit card companies a financial system. We are all paying the price because banks have to recover that cost. And literally it's billions of dollars per year. And the bank's not absorbing that. They're passing on those costs to all of the consumers. So it's, uh, it's not just one, one lucky, unlucky person that got scammed and then all of a sudden got their money back. Fortunately, it's still a cost to the, to the general community. Um, so what else might we want to do? Uh, there is, what I would always prefer to do is use my credit card over a debit card. I never use that debit card unless maybe for an ATM transaction to take money out of the bank account, but I will not use my debit card for making any charges. I just feel that it's, there's, even though there are some safeguards that if there is a fraudulent charge on that card, uh, we have recourse to get that money back. There's also a, more of a problem that your card your bank account could be literally drained 100% before that's even detected and then trying to get the recourse to get some of that money refunded back somewhere. All that money refunded back to you might take some time. In the interim, you have written out checks that all of a sudden have bounced and all kinds of other problems where you have automatic payments of your car payment, uh, other things that all of a sudden don't go through. So it's a whole whole domino effect of, of problems that you might be facing because someone has actually used your card, uh, especially if it's a debit card and they drain your bank account of things that, that can cause you a lot of problems and, and fees, that add, fees that will add up for you. So how can we maybe avoid that? Uh, once again, probably want to be a little bit careful of the merchants that we, where we use this card. Once again, it, it can happen almost anywhere, but a, I would would want to go to a merchant that I've done business with on a regular basis, even if it's a gas station, maybe I go back to the same gas station. Uh, maybe I, I go to a pump that's closest to the door where most likely if I want to skim or if I want to put some attachment onto that machine, I'm probably going to go to the pumps that are the furthest away from that door where I'm going to feel more comfortable that no one's going to spot me doing something. And they're probably not going to put a skimmer in every, you know, if you go to one of these really large gas stations that have maybe 10, 12 pumps. They're not going to put a skimmer on every single machine, but they're going to put ones maybe on the ones that are the furthest out. Uh, not to get paranoid that you should never go to those, but these are just different things that you might want to be a little bit more careful. Um, same thing if you're, are you paying up at the counter where there are there cameras, CCTV cameras at that counter that's watching every single transaction that's going on or not. I mean, there's different, there's other types of safeguards that are out there where you might be able to it lessen the possibility that those systems have been compromised from skimmers because of the oversight that's conducted at that particular merchant's location. Here recently went to a gas station that, that I frequent, it's uh, pretty close to my house, 
And when I walked in the, you know, said my good mornings and everything, the guy said, Hey, we found a skimmer out of one of our gas tanks. You might've been compromised. Well, I think he said, you may want to, you may want to check. And so I immediately called the fraud department on, on my, uh, card. He's flipped the card over. He's got a toll free number. And I said, I had needed to review the charge because I had fueled up there like the day before. And I called and I said, this one to review uh, the charges, see if there's anything weird and nothing was weird. And I said, well, uh, just to be sure, is there any way we can like put a hold? And they're like, yeah, we'll, you know, we'll put a hold on the card for a couple of days. Don't use it. Use cash. And then we'll just call us back when you're ready to, to release it. I left it on it for about a week or so, then released it. It had no issues. But the honesty of that merchant was surprising to me. And when I walked away, I kind of realized that this particular gas station, they have advertisements covering their entire window. You can't see out from where they're standing from, from the counter. You can't see what's going on in the gas pumps. And I happen to use the one that's closest to them all the time, just out of habit. It's, it's just the easiest one to get to. And it happens to be the easiest one that is, happens to be closest to the door. So I, I didn't ask him where or what pump it was, but I would put my, my money. If I was putting a skimmer on that gas pump, it would have been the farthest one away because th there's zero possibility of them being able to see it. There's too much just advertisements in the window for everything they have on sale in that place. And there's no way they could have seen that pump. So I, yeah, you, you want to be cautious about where you're going to be using it. My wife and I happen to have a, a weekly budget meeting. So we go over all charges and even on a weekly basis, there's something that will come up and that I'm, I'll have to struggle to remember if I made that purchase. I'm not the best at keeping all my receipts. So I'll have to struggle and go, did I stop at a convenience store and make a purchase for $5 and 24 cents? I don't remember. And if it's something that's out of care, now obviously if it's like out of our area, there'll be, be a red flag, but there have been times when you, we've gotten things like, I don't, I don't know what this, what this charge is at all. Like I don't recognize that number. I don't recognize the vendor. I don't recognize anything. And we'll call up and in the fraud department, usually we'll work with you to tell you a little more bit more about who that vendor is. You go, Oh, wait a minute. Yeah. I remember buying that thing online or whatever it was. Uh, but here I've had it in a few places where my card has been skimmed before. Usually happens. Uh, in fact, it happened to me when I went to the grand Canyon of all places and we stopped to fuel up somewhere. Uh, in Sedona, Arizona. And next thing you know, uh, we got a call from the bank going, did you guys head south of Mexico? No, we didn't head south of Mexico. <laughs> Why? Why would we go to Mexico? Because you have like five or six charges in a row from Mexico. And we don't think you guys are in Mexico. <laughs> no, we're not in Mexico. So uh, they, they stopped, you know, they, they, it was a little bit of an inconvenience because now we're on vacation and I have no access. Now my wife and I have different debit cards. So we, we still had access to our, our accounts, but I did not. I had to use everything on her card, which I didn't really like doing because she wouldn't give it to me all the time. I was like, can I borrow the card? No. Told you she was good at saying no. <laughs> I get a little nervous also when I'm actually going to an ATM machine, especially if I'm traveling, traveling overseas, where, I mean, there have been numerous cases where criminal, crim, criminal gangs will put up a camera there to they, they are able to to uh, skim the card as well as get your your pin usually your four digit pin right because they're able to record that on a CCTV camera that's that's been mounted there covertly and is able to pick that up. So what I usually what I do when I go to an ATM machine, in addition to of course put, putting the card in there, and when I 
when I'm putting in the four-digit code, I will use my other hand to shield the actual action of putting in that four-digit code just in case so that it cannot be seen by anybody uh, physically standing nearby and let alone a camera right above the, the machine. Yeah, there's a lot of them have little covers over them as well, but it doesn't hurt just to shield what you're doing. They take that little bit of, it's, it's not paranoia. It's just a little precaution you take to safeguard your information. Because uh, if that pin gets out, there's a good chance that if they have the other part of that, which is your, your numbers, good chance they can use that somewhere else. A lot of you have seen that over the last few months, a uh, couple of years that we've had these cards coming out now with the chip inside. It's just kind of curious. I've, I was in Europe, living in Europe uh, 10 years ago, 12 years ago, and that already existed throughout Europe. It was very common. Everybody, all the financial institutions that issued credit cards and debit cards, they issued those with the chip. Why had it taken so long to come to America? Uh, and still here in many merchants have not made that transition over yet to to use the chip. And so you have to ask, chip or no chip, right? Usually, <laughs> and, and a lot of them say, well, no, we're not on the chip yet. And uh, because it is, costly for them. They have to change their actual machines that they have there at the counter, as well as even the software. The whole system has to be changed to be able to use those chips. And sometimes uh, they prefer to wait. Eventually though, they are, there is a deadline for all of them to be converted over. So, uh, so there, are, there are safeguards that come slowly down the pike. And then usually the, the, con, the con artists, the criminals can find ways around those. So it's in a constantly evolving situation of better technology that is the eventually defeated and has to come out with even better technology beyond that. So if you do think you've been, uh, your credit card's been scammed, the first step is contact your bank and uh, go from there, review all the charges with their fraud department. So look uh, forward to more of these. I've got a, I've got a plethora of them. So we'll be bouncing these off you on, uh, on a weekly basis or so just to get that information. Also, it's looking like episode number seven uh, coming up here uh, next week. We will have our first bounty playoff. I've, uh, I've got three that I've stored up from three different people. And I don't know if there's a clear winner yet or not. I think there is, but I don't really know. One of, it's between two. One of them is not plausible at all. Uh, no offense, but we'll, we'll talk about that. Uh, the other two, there's one that's, I think there's one that might shine out. We'll see. We'll see if those go. But if you are interested in being part of this bounty program, it's pretty easy to do. Uh, you just have to have an original idea. It's got to be believable and plausible. It's got to work. If you want to take part in it, you just send us all the details of that particular scam. Send it in to hello at metascam.com. We'll review them here. We'll have a little playoff like you'll hear next week. And the winner of that will receive a $20 Amazon gift card, which you talked about before, about how you can actually help contribute to that gift card. So if you want to be part of that, just send us in that email. And remember, folks, you are not alone. Do your best to educate yourself against possible scams. Talk to your friends. Talk to your neighbors. Together, we can make a difference. If there's anything we can do for you, please don't hesitate to reach out. Until next time, this has been Andy and Peter for Metascam.com. Want to get in touch? Follow us on Twitter at Metascam Show or email us at hello at Metascam.com. Visit www.metascam.com for show information, archives, and more.